Hey, thanks for listening to Suicide Buddies. This is a podcast where we talk a lot about suicide, suicidal thoughts, and depression, and joke around about those things because we're comedians who have dealt with those things. So we like to have fun talking about it, and we hope that helps you. But we're not joking around because we take those things lightly. We just want to establish that right up top. So if you're dealing with suicidal thoughts right now, and especially if you're feeling yourself close to suicide, first of all, know there is no part of us that ever encourages it. Please stay safe. And if you are feeling that, we want you to reach out right now and call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're so helpful. They will talk to you whenever, wherever. They really are just a great ear when you need someone to talk to. So please call if you need it. And otherwise, enjoy the show. Guys, Roseanne's off her show and she's on ours now. Oh, hell yeah. This isn't Dave. This is Roseanne. (laughs) (laughs) Roseanne, I I appreciate your on-the-line humor. Oh, man, yeah. Pushing boundaries. Pushing people away. Well, that's what I think is funny. (laughs) uh, To alienate people. You know what I mean? Here's another thing that everyone needs to know. The earth is flat. And hollow. It's both flat and hollow. Oh, like a donut. And we uh, The earth has chemtrails in the middle. <laughs> oh, like a raspberry donut. Yeah, like a raspberry donut. Exactly. Oh, thank God. That everything's I like a donut. I love to eat. Because I'm Roseanne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that that was... That used to be the big joke about her for years before she was racist. People just made fun of her for her weight. Openly exactly. to her face. Exactly. It was like... Not cool. You know who didn't do that to her? <laughs> Trump. And that's why she likes him. They've been friends since the 80s, and he just never has treated her as shitty as he treats all other women. Wait, is that true? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it's weird. That is weird. Because <laughs> he's garbage. <laughs> I don't like him. You Trump, know what else no. is weird? The fucking world right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. Welcome to the world, buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, what's up? Are you depressed in Australia? You fucking jump in a kangaroo sack off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to Suicide Buddies. I'm Dave Ross. I'm Hampton Yunt. Then Roseanne is not here. This was a bit. No, that was a whole. That was a ruse. We, sometimes we pulled the do wool over your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we fuck around, which we shouldn't fuck around when it comes to your mental health. <laughs> That's the Dave Ross guarantee. That's my guarantee. <laughs> Dave Ross puts a guarantee at the end of every one of the sentences. If you're going to kill yourself, I'm going to smack a guarantee in your face. <laughs> it's a big silver sticker that says, fuck you. <laughs> like laying down a decal on the person's coffin of your guarantee sticker with your dumb smiling face. It just says, not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guarantee. That's my, it's never going to be my fault. That's the Dave Ross guarantee. <laughs> It's fun to date me. Uh, <laughs> hey, do you want to go out? Nothing's ever my fault. Hey, <laughs> I learned that dating's all about blame. 
Totally. Whoever wins wins. It's about wins. points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When points. you get when you get buried next to each other and you got your tombstones, you just put your points above your Totally. Head on the tombstones, and then people go, "Oh, he won or she won." I mean, I realize you're kidding, but this is how relationships should be. <laughs> every girl I've ever dated, at the end of every day, we count up our points, and whoever has the most gets to be happy, <laughs> and the other one has to be angry. There can only be one. There can only be one boyfriend, one happiness yeah. Highlander, <laughs> in a relationship. <laughs> Meet me on top of the mountain, Kurgan. <laughs> I will not marry you, you bitch. <laughs> I've always thought the Highlander should be called You Bitch as a movie. <laughs> <laughs> a much better name. Lightning uh, strikes. The sequels to You Bitch get way weird. They're weird, man. There's like Lorenzo Lamos is in it or whatever. <laughs> Lomos, how do you say his name? No. Semantics. <laughs> Isn't he? Wait, no. No, we've talked about Sean this before. <laughs> is that who you're thinking of? No, in the sh- TV show. Oh, right. Okay, well, the TV show I didn't really watch a ton of. But Lorenzo Lamas is not in that show. I just always think he is because Renegade came on after it. <laughs> now, <laughs> Renegade. Now, that was a good show. That show was Lamas. <laughs> yeah. That was hella Lamas. That's what it should have been called. Yeah, what a great Tonight after you bitch, block. it's hella Lamas. <laughs> they had The Crow, The Highlander, mm-hmm. um, Renegade. They? I always wanted them to form their own like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where it's like Highlander, character. Renegade, yeah. and the, the Crow. Crow. They're all, dude. <laughs> those would be the coolest. <laughs> That's so funny. They're all wearing like leather dusters. <laughs> yeah, we're so fucking cool. They're all a group where everyone's a loner. So they never. <laughs> How did all of our ponytails get caught together? <laughs> ponytail pet, the ponytail punch. Uh, Have you ever heard of that? Um, it's no. called the Rat King. It's it's really fucked up. But when a bunch of rats like living all together on top of each other, kind of just meld into one thing with their tails, like it all gets bundled with hair and shit. So what? they all it becomes a thing called a Rat King. And that's what their ponytails would all become. Whoa! <laughs> Between all those dudes. Wait. That's real? That's a real it's thing? It's a real fucking thing. And they named a Ninja Turtle villain after that, which is way not, not a good thing for kids to have to look up. Ninja Turtles is really funny that it's a show for kids. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It was written. This is a brain that lives in a robot. Yeah. <laughs> the comics. You know, that- the scariest thing of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by the comics as truly like some of the most awesome independent like comic book making that... Has ever happened, really, if you think about the scope of how big that thing became. But he, he was making these like black and white, super dark, like kind of grisly comics of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then they slowly that developed into what we have now today. Right. <laughs> right. No, I know. What I know, I'm saying so- is like he wrote it to be fucked up. Right. And then it's like he was like, oh, this kids really do like this because like. One, it's fucked up, and two, I'm basically just making fun of real comic books. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it was like a stoned idea, right? Like, <laughs> all right, they're turtles. <laughs> That's it. No more work. There's turtles. Day one. They're just turtles. They're like pizza. <laughs> Teenagers. No, it was always a troll, for sure. Like, yeah. No one was going to make turtles fight crime. That was not going to happen. I feel like they really laid off the teenage part. Like they never really get like horny all the time. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you know with their what? weird turtle dicks. Man, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying this. You know what? This. Thank you. I've been fucking saying this. 
And everyone's like, you should go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and all the cops in my neighborhood are like, you should go to jail. I do always say it to cops after huh. I punch them. <laughs> well, Ninja Turtles is one of the best uh, <laughs> versions of, of like, oh, you just took uh, regular comics. Is Like Daredevil is all about ninjas and blah, blah, blah. And they mm-hmm. had the hand in that. And then they were like, okay, we do the Foot Clan. It's like, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Daredevil... I rules. Um, Dave, say Dave, it. It's my favorite superhero. Is it your favorite superhero? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. What are you gonna say? No, actually, what I was gonna say is I don't know the. I don't know almost anything about comics, so I don't know sure. the comic books at all. But the show on Netflix, I hate. I like. <laughs> And so, I'm so excited for season three. Oh, are you really? Out. I'm like so fucking pumped. It's funny because I love P- the Punisher show. Oh yeah, I good. love it. Um, and I saw Jessica Jones is good, and so I don't know what it is, but there's just something about it that like really I thought was really lame. And there's a uh, bunch about Daredevil that's on the surface I I think is so funny. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that that's the name that bullies called you as a kid, ironically, because he's like blind and like he can't do anything. He's a real daredevil. <laughs> it's like imagine growing up to be an adult. You like from this day on, I will be known as faggot wimp. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever a bully would really call you. <laughs> right. I don't think bullies are that smart and sarcastic. With like get it? It's like he can't be a daredevil, but he is. So anyway, I know it, it. That is a very nice bully. And then, it, uh, <laughs> and then his, his power is that he's a blind guy, so he can't see. And then he has a radar vision, which allows him to see. So his power is his blind so just guy. Like a regular see. person, he's regular dude. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm regular guy. Nothing's really wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> also, we're recording right now, and I don't know why I just put food in my mouth. <laughs> That was really weird. That this I isn't that. a bonus episode, dude. <laughs> I know you can't be that. We got to be on point, man. Damn, dog. We're um, recovering still from uh, Mental Health Awareness Day. You know, got to be. On yeah, point. no, we, that was a big hangover, man. <laughs> um, no, I think I think it's literally just the show because yeah, people have problems with it. Yeah, I forgive. I am like. You forgive? <laughs> I do. No, I get because I totally see the problems that people talk about. Like foggy, the acting's a little annoying and everything. Yeah, it's I like think the it's side the acting's bad. I just didn't. but I was like, if you read comic like comics, and not <laughs> put like to say that. Well, if you read comics, but like that character in the comics is annoying. Like, he's that's, really cheesy. That's, he's a che- he wears like uh, polka dot bow bow ties, and he's like always like hungry. You know what? Actually, <laughs> like, I think like yeah, that it's not that that bugs me. It's that we're now in an era where. Like, it used to be that people making uh, comic book movies and shows gritty was different. Hmm. Um, and so I was really excited because I wanted everything to be gritty. But now I've seen everything gritty. So now when something is seems to be needlessly gritty, like Jessica Jones, hmm. it makes sense that it's so gritty because she's such a fucked up person. <laughs> she's just yeah. such a depressed person. Yeah. And... Uh, same with the Punisher. He's just like such a fucked up guy that it makes sense <laughs> that it's shot so evilly. But yeah. the Daredevil, he's like a nice person <laughs> who's just, but also is like, where are you going? And uh, and like, I don't drink. It's like it's just really, it's just really yeah. weird to I me. I hear what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> it feels like intensity already kind of got 
like finished when we did the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. It's like, how much more intense do you need than this borderline snuff film? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, it's PG thirteen snuff film. And um the funny thing is actually like uh comics for a while, like um Daredevil who have been following for a while, he got written by uh, a crime comic book writer for a while, Ed Brubaker. Mm-hmm. And he really shaped this whole run of like Here's what happens when a superhero tries to correct things and then it fucks up and then he's like, I'm, I have to take over the mafia. Like, I have to become you know, the criminal organization. And he, like, you know, shuts down other operations and stuff like that. And then a couple years after that, they were like, okay, Daredevil needs to be fun again. And it literally became, like, way more cartoony. Really? And they brought it back to form. And I think, like, what's happening with TV and movies sometimes replicates what we've already seen in comics. Uh. Because, like... Comics had a really dark period in the 80s and then in like um, the uh, just every decade there's always a period and then they get light again. So hmm. I don't know. Maybe when this Daredevil's over, like 10 years from now, there'll be like a revamped Daredevil and it's like, hey, this is fun. Like, it's goofy, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Well, because like, I feel like this isn't r- really a rule. And again, People who like comic books not only know better than me, but like get really mad when people say things that are wrong. You don't, <laughs> but like every now and then I'll say something on a podcast about Spider Man or something, and that's not something people are okay with. Uh, <laughs> that's our word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you pronounce the er at Peter Parker. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's Spider Man. Peter Parker. <laughs> Peter Parker. You Peter. Spider Spider Man. Spider Man. <laughs> You have to <laughs> you have to have a speech impediment to say Spider Man. If you uh, two tickets to Spider Man, <laughs> Spider Man, wow. Spider Man, please. This guy doesn't read the books. This guy doesn't read. About it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, it seems like right now DC Comics has decided that their role in making comic book movies is to make the sort of like bright, poppy ones. And uh, Marvel seems to think that their role in comic book movies is to make the dark, gritty ones. I, I, I wonder if you're thinking, well, this is interesting because on TV, I'd say that's true. But in the movies, it's more like Avengers, Captain America, and they seem pretty. Oh, Avengers right. is Marvel. Marvel. And then oh, DC right. is the like, you know, Batman's like, yeah, they, yeah, like, no, you're right. My grave. <laughs> it's like, <Right>. whoa, <laughs> settle down. Yeah, I was flipping the two. Yeah, yeah, he's really mad all the time. So I mean, clearly, I know a lot about this, and it's actually going to be great because the dude who made Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn, and he got fired by Disney mm-hmm. for just making dumb tweets like ten years ago that Republicans seized on. So Disney fired him, and then we're like. The cast was like, we will, we will walk if you don't hire him back. And they're still like, we don't give a fuck. We're Disney. Like, well, we'll get a new cast. And then that director, writer, is now over at DC. And he's going to, like, replace everything. Like, he's going to just make it so much better. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, to me, this is it's my It's interesting sports. to be both fascinated and not care. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I get it. This is like when people talk about the Green Bay Packers. Like, this is when I'm like... The owners of this franchise, sure. moving this over here, right. they goofed up with that. This is great, you know. Like I'm like that with '90s pop punk bands and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> also, comedians. How much have you lost in your investments in Tom DeLonge? Uh, De- DeLonge. I've never heard it pronounced DeLonge. DeLonge. Doesn't it have an e at the end? It does, and I actually have no clue if it's DeLonge or DeLonge, but I've never heard DeLonge, and it sounds <laughs> real funny. Aristotle, can we get a verdict? I think it's DeLonge. I've never heard 
Okay, so it is Probably really right. fun sounding. <laughs> Delange. Mm, it makes him sound so much more interesting than he is. <laughs> I don't know, Delange. dude. I don't think it's at all a manufactured personality to suddenly believe in aliens when you're 40. <laughs> and go on Rogan. Oh, no, no. Him. He's not at all the silliest fucking person who ever lived. Um, <laughs> God, I want him to start a band with Zach Delarocha. <laughs> Hate I mean, breed. In fairness, they're all crazy. Everyone who's in Blink-182 are insane. And, you know, <laughs> Mark yeah. isn't obsessed with aliens and didn't get all weird and, like, not talk to his bandmates through anyone but his manager. See, ex- this is what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go on. Talk uh, about DJ AM. They're all weird. Um, yeah, Travis Barker, I think if, like, Marrying a Playboy model and getting a plane crash doesn't fuck you up. Uh, you, you know. <laughs> I don't know what will. <laughs> I don't know what will. Um, Losing your best friend. I mean, that's pretty fucking tough. Nah. 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 Nah, he's fine. Grow a fucking pear. <laughs> <laughs> Grow a pear. Get out from behind the drums. And Why are you smile hiding? more. <laughs> Drink more water. Travis Barker, smile more. Play less drums. <laughs> smile more. Drink water. Maybe you wouldn't <laughs> drink water, Travis. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, we haven't said it yet. Suicide Buddies is a mental health comedy podcast oh where we shit. <laughs> joke our way through um, talking about dark shit like suicidal thoughts and depression. So you might hear some dark jokes on here but it's because we've been there not because we think it's like a joke that you're sad i've been uh, there done that yeah but exa- I, i'm wow. over it now <laughs> no it's been amazing to see the fans of the podcast and guys i really recommend joining the facebook group uh just because i also recommend that <laughs> points dude the points are yeah, you gotta win, over dude. your gravestone right now <laughs> And da- little Davy boy is going to be on the road. That's right. Little I mean, little yeah. bastard Davy. I, I got my bindle. And I- <laughs> You're bringing your own microphone stand as my, a bindle? My, my bindle with my jokes and my microphone <laughs> and my saltpita. And uh, I'm just going to hitchhike out to Florida. No, Dave. Yeah. So uh, what places are you hitting? Um, I'm going everywhere, man. Florida and North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> the fun states. Yeah, I don't cool. really know how exactly it shook out like that. But um, but yeah, I'm just going to be in Florida and North Carolina. I'll be in, I have a show in Daytona Beach, show in Jacksonville, and then I'm at Fest in Gainesville, which is a great punk festival. And then I have a show in Charlotte, North Carolina with our friend Brandy Posey. Oh, um, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then I'm doing a show in Asheville and then a show in Durham. Um, um, yeah, um, I'm stoked. What what rough uh, dates is that? That's like, um, well, actually, this episode is coming out the 17th of 18th of yeah. October, Thursday, October 18th. Um, and six days after that is the first show, the 24th of October in Daytona. So it's like oh, okay. 24th Daytona, 25th Jacksonville. That weekend in Gainesville for Fest, and then uh, the North Carolina shows are all like around Halloween. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I'll be in Asheville for Halloween with no shows, and I'm really stoked for that because that town Whoa. is fucking crazy. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's just, just like weird smoke hippie pot town out in the of mountains. a jack o' lantern. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, man. It's I'm going to listen to like spooky widespread <laughs> panic. <laughs> It, I identify Asheville as mostly like a hippie kind of town. Like, yeah, hippie artists. That's where they all moved after the 
the failure of the seventies. The <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, is a good segue into who we're going to talk about this week. Hippie. <laughs> His name is Phil Oaks. Oh yeah. Spelled O C H S. Yeah, he was a folk singer in uh, the sixties and seventies. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, so, I don't want to do that at all. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's we'll the episode. Who, <laughs> we'll see who wins this <laughs> for points. I definitely win. Hey, points. No, don't bring him up. He's garbage. <laughs> points. Man, I was saying fuck Nerdist before that shit. I just want to point that out. <laughs> yeah, we're on record for coming out the day before for no good reason. It's just saying fuck Nerdist. It's true. We didn't have a reason, but perhaps. Now I do. Talking I just have dead. a good soul. <laughs> Talking dead. More like yapping dead. <laughs> no. <laughs> More like blah, 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 I'm dead. Yeah. More cares. like uh, eating uh. bread. Yeah. <laughs> More like giving head. <laughs> hey, what's up? You're listening to giving head. <laughs> so we talk about head and all the head we've gotten and given. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's have a commercial. Well, probably not, but we'll take a break. <laughs> you guys, just buy distilled jeans. Good. Every, in fact, every uh, company. You're good. Yeah, we like all companies. Do you make something? That's fucking cool. Nice, dude. Nice. Hey, we're suicide buddies, and we want you to get out there and buy stuff. I'm into McDonald's. McDonald's fucking oil, dude. I like. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, it, man. Barnum and Bailey. I Target. don't give a fuck. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. You know what? I We're like, the podcast that doesn't give a fuck, Dan, dude. And we've been saying it since yeah. before anyone else was saying it about us. <laughs> But now everyone's saying it about us, so we're not saying it anymore. But you know what, Dave? It's time for some real ass good dude times. Let's let's give a fuck. Yeah, let's okay. Give back and give a fuck. It is time for some good dude times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, gotta. You you wanted to bring up an email. From, yeah, yeah, uh, from totally. Um, first, follow us at Buddies Pod on Twitter, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> please follow it's us. A good way to get in contact with us. We're uh, Buddies Buddies. Buddies at Gmail. Facebook yes. group is good. Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash groups slash suicide buddies. And um, yeah, so someone emailed us a correction, and I've been meaning to say this. Um, the It's a correction from the David Reimer episode, if you remember that episode, or if you'd like to dig back. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> um, um, you want to dig back? Hey. They didn't say whether or not we could say their name, so I'm going to leave it out. They say, uh, hey, just a quick note that the word hermaphrodite is outdated. The term generally accepted by the community as accurate is intersex. Um, <laughs> we didn't know. I mean, that's thank you for pointing it out. What's funny actually. is that I actually definitely knew that hermaphrodite was wrong, but I didn't know you what the other word was. Goddamn coward. So I'm a bad person. <laughs> Um, um, I didn't know, I, and I, you know, uh, but interesting. I actually don't even remember saying that word. I probably was. I was. I must have not even been I thinking think about it. We, so yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, we apologize. Yeah. Um, intersex, and thank you for the correction. Truly, we want corrections like this. The end of the email is: Don't want to be that guy who busts into your DMs to nitpick, but here I am. Lo siento, <laughs> love you, bye. <laughs> 
This person is funny. Uh, no, bust in to the DMs. Don't slide in. Correct bust. me. Correct me. We get a lot of corrections. Do we? Um, I remember it wasn't a correction, but it was a really interesting note that I always meant to get back to, mm-hmm. which was my brother who studied like a ton of like Japanese like history in college and everything. Like that was his major. Uh, he was talking about like, the that first. That wasn't your brother. <laughs> 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 you would know. Um, he corrected me on like the first episode because we did uh, Yukio Mishima. Oh, sure. And we read that poem at the end. Uh-huh. And we were just kind of like... Guessing what it meant. Yeah, what the fuck does that mean? And he was like, well, he thinks he's a samurai or he's comparing himself to a samurai and samurai compared themselves to like cherry blossoms because they have oh. a very short but beautiful life. Oh. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Man, you're We were just like, dude loves flowers. <laughs> <laughs> we just like, completely did no research into that. Mm. I think the poem is about how your brother is a nerd. <laughs> All my brothers would agree. <laughs> wow, that's cool. That's cool. That's good to know. Yeah, I like stuff like that. I mean, that's why we do it. And I like to also get you know new information. <laughs> All right. The subject of this episode is Hampton's brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Hampton. <laughs> that would be this is how gotcha you're finding journalism. out. Yeah, um, I yeah, I talk to your family. No, 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 no don't tell. I'll tell them. I'll, th- <laughs> I'll tell them on the show. No, oh, it'd be I so feel, great. I feel so bad in the sense that like, talk about Hampton's mind blowers. My brother is not dead. He's very. <laughs> they're all alive. Uh, oh yeah, I, yeah. But um, you feel bad in the sense of. Oh, joking around know. about your you know, family's it's like it's, death. It's kind of okay, but then I, I start to go, oh, I know some people who listen to the podcast have like lost family members. I'm like, just so you know, we are joking around. My brother is totally fine. Like, oh, no, yeah. 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 Yeah, are you kidding me? Like immediately when I made that joke, I was like, this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but then you laughed, so I kept going is literally I, what happened. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's who I am on the inside. I don't have blood. I... Pump a crude vo- oil. <laughs> crude oil. A crude oil through my body. No, it's good that you did that. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, yeah, I mean, even if you're joking around about it after like 10 seconds, like, yeah. hey, maybe let's not joke around about my brother dying. <laughs> I understand. Um, okay, we're talking about Phil Oaks. Um, he, he was. Honestly, huge in folk music in the 60s and 70s. Mm. It's funny, though, when people talk about him, the most thing, like, the mo- there are two things that um, most articles about him centered around. Hmm. Um, one was the FBI, because what? the FBI did, like, have a file on him, like a huge <laughs> awesome. file, like a 490-page file or something Dude. Like crazy, yeah. Well, okay. He's and like the other a Jen Seberg type, getting right. investigated and by the government. Totally. Actually, he and all his friends were, and Bob Dylan was too. That's fucking awesome. So he was, a, he was friends with Bob Dylan, but also sort of like rivals with Bob okay. Dylan. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and their whole crew... So, like all those folk musicians in Greenwich Village in 1962, up through the late 60s, they were all they 
the FBI had files on all of them. But oh, Phil that's Oaks, so funny. Yeah, but Phil Oaks was one like, of the most outspoken of them. Oh, really? Just yeah. politically? Yes. That's so interesting. I mean, God, I, it's so funny that the government would think that the Greenwich Village, like, hipsters playing guitar are like, we got to watch these Totally. Guys. It's ri- it's, it's really like, interesting. And it's like, aren't you invading Laos right now? <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Like, what is the government doing at this point? Like, it's way more suspect. I think it's because, I mean, when did the Vietnam War start? Um, actually, I can't really fully say. Nineteen sixty-five. Well, there's definitely like government involvement, and I mean, fifty-five. That's a, no. It's it goes on and on because the government right. just started getting involved with like little things for so long. But I think when does it end? Because then that's it ended in seventy-five. That I know. Okay, so all the five years leading up to there is when it's the most bloody and. Right. Graphic and awful. Right. But that, right. Okay. So there was like, there was a civil war in Vietnam and we kept toying with sending troops there. We kept sending a little bit of troops and then more troops and we more fun. troops. Yeah. And Teasing we would never them. actually designate it as a war. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a little tease. Uh, yeah. Like, a war oh, tease. We're just dipping our toes in. We're just in. dipping our toes in. No, you know, no maybe we want to slaughter you. I don't know. No. Maybe, you know, it depends. Do you want to be mean, a bitch we'll and love communism? Start with a couple assassinations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, no, it'll never be full-blown conflict. Um, this really is foreign policy. Assassinate. Oh, I just want to assassinate you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hire a man. You can't spell assassinate with two asses. <laughs> two asses. There it is. Yeah. Ass, My- ass, and you can call me Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Assassinator Nate Man. puts his ass up to your ass and he shits inside of your ass until you die. <laughs> what, what a cool what a cool spy. It's gonna be my new stage name, SS Nate. <laughs> and then I'm gonna have a butt on the front too. Butt on the front, butt on the back. <laughs> That's why Nate smokes crack. So he's he's blit- <laughs> I'm gonna guess he's uh Phil Oaks is anti Vietnam. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So uh, a real quick, like, um, early history of him. He was born December nineteenth, nineteen forty, in El Paso, Texas, and his family moved a lot because his dad was a um, he was a doctor, and he went to World War II near the end of World War II and treated people at the Battle of the Bulge, and the things that he saw in World War II. Gave him like horrific PTSD. Was and it guys' depression. What's that? Was it guys' oh, bulges no. at the Battle of the Bulge? No, no. Guys just battled their bulges. He was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I've seen too much. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen t- so much bulge. I've seen inches and inches of horror. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, damn, that sucks. His man. dad went to the Battle of the Bulge and he just saw so much cock that he got sad. <laughs> <laughs> So his, his dad was fucked up, and that's yeah, and they definitely kept, a awful. He couldn't get practices off the ground, like oh, uh, no. it, clinical practices off the ground, uh, because he was depressed and just like couldn't get his shit together to run a good practice. Whoa! Um, and well, then he just makes perfect. Eventually, died of an embolism. Uh, Whoa! His mother didn't die till the nineties, which was after Phil Oaks died. Um, <laughs> but so he had like a weird childhood, and then he moved around a lot. He had a depressed dad um he 
1958, he went to Ohio State and dropped out almost immediately for bad grades. <laughs> uh, went to Florida, and then he was homeless in Florida for two weeks, and was actually arrested for being for sleeping on a park bench one night. Whoa! And he says, for some reason, during that two weeks where he was sleeping in the park, he like basically it came to him that he wanted to write. He wanted to be a journalist. And so he went back to Ohio State. Yeah, which I don't understand how okay. that happened. But sure. It's kind of a free wheel in time, honestly. And also education was pretty cheap that you could just make these decisions where you're like, right. maybe I'll just go walk back to college and just go sit down and they'll just like, no. like the also classes don't cost anything. Had lived in um in Ohio okay. by then, so it was in-state tuition, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like three bucks. At the time, uh, <laughs> seriously. Um, also, you, like, throughout the course of his life, he he's a person, he's definitely a person who is intensely affected by world events and a, by, hmm. he's like cle- very clearly a huge empath. Because uh, it says, like, I read that... Um, he was such a big fan of JFK, even though he completely disagreed with Bay of Pigs uh, mm. and the Cuban Missile Crisis, how that was handled. He loved JFK, mm. the way that he treated sure. the country. Man. And when JFK was assassinated, he wept, apparently, uncontrollably. Which Well, yeah, most of the country. But most yeah, of the yeah. country, but like, he was just very uh. deeply affected. So he probably was like homeless and saw <laughs> some shit. In this park and was like, the world's fucked up. I want to write about it. He just saw um, the JFK assassination and was like, world star. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Honestly, yes. Um, he saw one bum fight um, and now he's a hero. It's interesting, yeah, because there's like, you know, Kennedy had to play some like military games in a sense. But overall, he had a message that was like kind of towards peace. And I'm just saying that's probably what got him killed. <laughs> right. Um Right. Uh. <laughs> Go back to your bunker in the woods, Hampton. Weirdo. All right, folks, you're gonna want to. Uh, you're gonna want to YouTube uh, Kennedy assassination, a uh, world star hip hop pussy pussy, pussy. video. <laughs> you're gonna want to check out the JFK uh, sex tape. Uh. <laughs> there is P. There's P. That's the P tape they've been talking about. Uh, buy these pills. There are chemtrails in them. Um, <laughs> Why do you need the government's chemtrails? Chem- <laughs> Why do you need the government's chemtrails? Just buy mine. <laughs> Make your own. Dude, we should totally sell chemtrail pills. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm 100% behind selling a vague powder <laughs> to our fans. I, I would love it, man. We'll just put sugar in pills and say it's chemtrails in there. And <laughs> you ever wanted to eat this guy? <laughs> um, yeah, but he definitely... Uh, yeah, I don't mean to harp on it, but he just definitely seems like someone who would like mm-hmm. see an atrocity and then that forms how he leads his life. And so like he went back to um, Ohio State, studied journalism. At Ohio State, he meets Jim Glover, who was the first um, folk singer he ever met. They're in college together. So Jim Glover is at school, oh, okay. but he's already writing folk songs. Oh, he cool. teaches Phil Oaks to play guitar. And Whoa. gets him into Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger and stuff. I'm amazed anyone can learn like anything ever. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, like I try, I tried to pick up guitar from college. Like that's when I really started, mm-hmm. and I suck. Like right, but, and I'm just amazed when somebody can learn a musical instrument like at college age right like, away. Yeah, or, yeah. Oh, dude, especially when it's right away. That's that makes me fucking upset. <laughs> yeah, it's so frustrating. I wish I could have that talent. Uh, so he and Jim Glover. Um, they form a group called the Singing Socialists. Uh, <laughs> oh, why were they on the government radar? <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Yes. Well, we're blowing up the White House today. <laughs> They're doing it in an American way. Um, the Singing Socialists changed their name to something I'm forgetting pretty quickly. Wrote a couple songs, but then Slipknot. played one show live and, uh, and then broke up because Jim Glover dropped out of school and just moved to New York to be a professional folk singer. Okay. So and, he kind of is also be, like laying out a path, though. Of like, right. Exactly. And Phil Oaks wanted to fill, finish college, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he didn't finish college. He just got like really pissed off at the government, basically, <laughs> and was like, fuck this. All right. And left. Now and- it's the shitting socialist. <laughs> <laughs> New band. And so in 1961... Um, he leaves college, moves to Cleveland, because um, his parents... Well, he didn't move to Cleveland. His parents moved to Cleveland from okay. Columbus. Okay. And so he ended up spending a lot of time in Cleveland in 61. And in the summer of 61, um, there's this local uh, folk club there, basically. And he was kind of their like resident opener. And he opened for everybody. He opened for the Smothers Brothers. Oh, cool. Place. Um, and he met um, Bob Gibson there, who ended up being like a major... Cool. So he starts getting kind of tapped into this world a little totally. bit more firmly. And honestly, at that time, I think Cleveland was probably like a city on the boom. Totally. You know? Yeah, right. Factory, factory, factory town. Jobs, totally. Building yeah. up the Midwest. Post-war. So then in 62, he moves to New York City and is basically immediately ingratiated into the uh, Greenwich Village folk scene. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Dave Van Ronk was already there. And Dave Van Ronk, we've talked about him on the show before. He's the guy that Lewin Davis is based off of in, oh, inside Lewin Davis. Man. Yeah. Um, and Very later, uh, so Dave Van Ronk apparently like met Phil Oaks when he was playing one of his first shows in New York. Mm-hmm. And someone in that crew, Bob Dylan or Joan Baez or whatever, was like, you guys see this guy from Cleveland. And they were all like, yep, he's in. And then they were just like, he was one of the guys. Nice. Yeah. He's um, from the far off land of Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, totally. No one's ever heard of them. <laughs> so he gets like big in folk music pretty quickly. And he like, so this entire time, he has only been writing song protest songs, but he refers to them as topical songs. Mm-hmm. I don't really know why he made that distinction, except maybe to make himself more easily digestible. I'm not sure. It might have to do with just that this is really the creation of the singer-songwriter. Yeah. You know, so like defining your terms, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit, you know, the same way you have with hip-hop later on or something where it's like, we don't do trap music or whatever. You know, like, I do this, he does that. Right. Oh, I see. And you're trying to really define it, because now you just go, why can't you just be a folk singer? Or like... Right, you know, or define yourself like that. You're like, no, no, I'm a political. Well, there was. Guy. A, I do remember, like, everyone talked about Bob Dylan then as he was a protest singer. Mm-hmm. Joan Baez sung protest songs, yeah. But for some How reason, he wanted to song. separate himself from them, and he was like, I write topical songs. That's so funny. It's interesting, yeah. So it's like what happened, like roughly around that time. Like he wants to talk about. I think here's actually so yes, weird. exactly. I th- yeah. My guess is that it's because of that. Because um, if you listen to oh, interesting. What Phil Oaks and Bob Dylan have in common is that they both wrote really stripped down poetic songs about war and pain and suffering in the world and we're trying to help. Hmm. But the difference between Phil Oaks and Bob Dylan is that Bob Dylan would literally be like, yeah. would say things just like, 
the clouds are crying. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was yeah. more about like the metaphysical nature yeah. of time and war and getting and older and the paper, accepting. And the paper said to me, <laughs> I am so alone, sir. I'm filled with pee. And uh, and they're like, yeah, it's about Vietnam. And Phil Oaks' songs would, would literally be like, I went to Cuba and I met people there and they were sad and I want to help them. There's a cat on my street and there's a tag on the back of my shirt. <laughs> yeah, totally. Something to annoy me. I do not like Gons and I do not like Nixon. Uh, <laughs> You're looking uh, at me right now. Well, um, um, that's really funny, man. Uh, also, it's so funny that it's like that music. It's some, some of it's good, but largely a lot of it is kind of hokey. It is and, hokey, and yes. it's like I think they're really creating for the first time this sort of thing of like, what is okay? So like, what's my message through my lyrics that? You know, like what separates me? Like, yeah. you never had to think about that before. You know, it's just like you did standards. And even at the beginning of folk, they were still doing standards because when it was um, How Many Roads was yeah, yeah. like everybody covered that song. Well, at this point, too, like if you. If you go back and listen to recordings of Dave Van Ronk or Tim Harden hmm. or some of those other guys in the Greenwich Village folk scene, they all have the same songs on their albums. Yeah. Um, like the songs that are in Inside Lewin Davis, like Hang Me, Oh Hang Me, that's uh-huh. a traditional folk song. Yeah. Um, uh, Green, Green, Rocky Road, a bunch of them recorded different versions of that song. Um, but Tim Harden and uh, Dave Van Ronk weren't really protest singers. Mm. I, this is, I love this kind of music, and I really... Like, that's the thing I wish I could do is just go back and sit in a smoky bar and watch some of these shows. Um, because, like, what's interesting is during that time... Louder! Um, <laughs> You're just heckling. <laughs> the, biggest, the biggest people in that scene were the protest singers. Mm. Um, it, they were, like, tied together by the late 60s. Um, and we don't know who Tim Harden and Dave Van Ronk are, and it's probably because of that. All right, uh, coming up next uh, <laughs> on the stage, you cool cats. Everyone having a cool cat night here. <laughs> Got a cool cat coming up. Uh, goes by the name of Zach De La Roche. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, okay, so we're going we're gonna to just jam out here for a second. And, uh, Come with it now. <laughs> <laughs> How many, How many with it now must a man come with, with before he's a piece of shit band? Should I come with it now? Should I come with it then? Should I come with it over again? Some of those that ride horses are the same that eat Cru- cross horses. I don't forget. <laughs> Some of those that eat horses <laughs> are the same that ride horses. <laughs> uh, uh, this Phil guy, I liked his music. We played it before the yeah. podcast. It was really good. It's like, great. I w- thought it was incredible. Um, what? Uh, uh, another big difference between him and Bob Dylan is that Bob Dylan came at this from a from a musical place, and uh, Phil Oaks definitely came at it. From a political journalistic place, Got he it. referred to himself as the singing journalist. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> Phil. No, <laughs> yeah, I want to be his friend. No, exactly. So Such close, a lame dude. title. Um, and even though, like the the rivalry between him and Bob Dylan that people talk about a lot, I don't think it was as big as people think. I think everyone was rivals with. Bob That's Dylan what it was. Phil Oaks was just like pissed he wasn't as big as Bob Dylan at one point. If you think of how many people really came out of folk that are like 
known or something, it'd be like a handful. Yeah. And Bob Dylan is clearly at the top. So, I mean, in that sense, he's in competition with everyone. Yeah, but it's funny. If you like look at Phil Oaks' life, in comparison to every other folk singer except for Bob Dylan hmm. and Joan Baez, hmm. he won for sure. He was huge. Really? He was huge. Awesome. People loved him. He... uh and he and Bob Dylan were definitely friends. There are quotes from Bob Dylan where he, where Bob Dylan says, "I'm not as smart as Phil Oaks. I would kill to be as smart as Phil Oaks." Oh, that's nice. But then later they got in a fight at some point in Bob Dylan's limo, <laughs> and apparently Bob Dylan opened the door, kicked him out of the limo, and was like, "You're just a fucking journalist." <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and he's speeding off. He's like, "A singing journalist, asshole! A singing journalist, asshole!" <laughs> um. God damn. So what's so, happening with So it? yeah, in 1962 he becomes a part of this crew. He's known already and all his songs are protest songs. 1963 he's big enough to be in the Newport Folk Festival. And if you Ooh. know anything about that festival, yeah. That festival was so huge, like tens of thousands of people went. Hmm. But they were also so obsessed with folk mm-hmm. that like there is a um I think it was it was the 1965 Newport Folk Festival that there is a Scorsese movie documentary about where that was the festival where Bob Dylan decided to go electric. Sure. Publicly, and the crowd yeah. just fucking booed the shit out of him and <laughs> yeah, he kept yeah. playing. So they were like... <laughs> they can go fuck themselves. I agree. Isn't that so funny? Yeah. And now you're like, oh, something different. Wasn't changing his music from folk at that point, but he... He like told people that was awesome that Bob did that, and then it kind—I of, um, mean, like you know—he proved them all fucking wrong because he was like, "Well, now because we have this electrical arrangement, now we can write that song." It's like, like a Rolling Stone or whatever. Yeah. Like he lit—it just—he just saw that the that folk shit was gonna be over. Yeah, you know, and it's like, and it's like Phil Oaks maybe did protest music, but I was thinking, I was like, how many protest songs can you really write and yeah. have longevity? Right, you know, the real reason it works is you're young, you're pissed off generally. Yeah. I mean, it's always funny when you see like some old act like whip out his new, like didn't Springsteen do some protest song where he's like putting like Trump pictures behind him at a concert and like people wearing red hats were like pissed off in the news like I tell you I'm fucking burning all my Springsteen shit. Like, <laughs> and it's just like yeah I don't know man <laughs> like do you need to do this? Like, that's one of the things that makes me love metal fans because mm. that's not what happened when Rob Halford came out of the closet. Uh, <laughs> Rob Halford came out like two. To metal's credit, uh, <laughs> Rob Halford, the lead singer of Judas Priest, came out as gay, <laughs> and all his fans were like, "I don't give a fuck, man. That guy rocks." Yeah, they're <laughs> like, "Yeah, clearly I've been picked on my whole life. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't give a fuck." <laughs> yeah, does it sound good? Yeah. Um, so also in 1963, he gets big enough to do Newport Folk Festival. He also does it in '64, but '63 was the year when the FBI started keeping a file on him. Tight. Yeah, <laughs> Tight. they started like. Him and all his counterparts to all his friends, but him in a big way um, because he started to notice, uh, apparently, because they would send, they started keeping a file, but then after a few years or maybe a year or two, they... He would notice there being like weird individual people in the crowd at his shows. And he was just <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like wearing sunglasses with yeah. like the wire in their ear. Yeah, totally. Encore. <laughs> Talk more about your theories between songs. Whippy. Where do you live? <laughs> where do you live? <laughs> he doesn't even know where he lives. <laughs> this is where I go for What's that your image. address? <laughs> um, I have a question. If there was, if, if, Who's the worst person in your life to threaten? 
<laughs> like, hypothetically. I, I, I'm if, just saying. If someone were to get threatened and it would suck for you, like, who would that be? <laughs> um, no, no, I, I'm, I'm here on a date with my uh, boyfriend and he just has to kiss the other agent. <laughs> like, no, no, we're, we're gay. And the- then they just kill them. <laughs> uh, it's the 60s. It's um, the 60s. <laughs> Even Greenwich Village, man. Anything can happen there. Um, and he... To the point where he started like referring him to himself as a as the folk singer for the FBI. Um, I really immediately started thinking that like it'd be so funny if like the FBI was developing their own like folk song division where they're like we need counter songs like they say the White House sucks. What if we have a song that's like the White House is cool? I like the government. What's funny is that like I've never heard or read that anywhere, but I definitely know that happened. That like had to have had, that had to have had a one suggestion at least once. Oh yeah. Um, there definitely is like a propaganda wing of like oh, yeah. the government where they're like, you know what? Put out a Johnny's Marching Home song out. That's that shit was actually really popular in the sixties. Yeah. And you saw that in, inside Lewin Davis when they do that Spaceman song. Right. The NASA thing. There was just like all these songs that are like, it's the fifty first uh, proud military boys choir and they're all singing about the flag and they, that's a number one selling song yeah <laughs> isn't it really interesting boys that singing the, about the flag <laughs> I've always thought it was weird that the the story that we're told about the 60s that you hear from everyone is like oh yeah we were protested in the streets and mm-hmm. everything like that mm-hmm. but that wasn't the reason they were protesting was that most people didn't agree with them. Um, like there were, I'm going to talk about this in a minute at length, but there were police, literally police, what they now call police riots at the democratic national convention in 1968 mm. in Chicago. Mm. And where the police like beat hundreds of people near to death, a lot of whom weren't even protesting. And uh, they were ordered to do this by mayor Daly and, uh, I was just going to Quiznos. <laughs> and most people uh, in America were like, yeah, they should have done that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I saw those interviews with people. Where they're like, well, I just think that's what you get. <laughs> we just we just act now. Like, we look back at the 60s. Somewhere everyone did drugs. Everyone was protesting. Everyone hated Vietnam. But it's just not the case. Um, um, no, yeah. It's, it it really, was a movement. You had to sway public opinion to get on board with civil rights yeah. or to ever even question joining up like with a draft going on. Right. It's like, think about the last time a draft had happened. It, it might have been the Korean War, but I believe for sure definitely World War Two. Yeah. And it's just like, it's this huge nationalistic, you know, uh, thing at that point right which again people again historical amnesia forget that people did not want to get involved in world war ii americans have never i mean there's always been a reaction to war yeah it's been like please god no (laughs) right people will die and then they somehow sway public opinion with world war ii it really helped with pearl harbor where you go well wait we've been attacked so now everyone's on board let's go to europe let's go to asia yeah you know now it's like we got attacked, you know? Right, yeah. Anyway, it's just it's just stupid because you have to understand every war is going to have people going, hey, wait, why? Yeah. For corporate interests? For yeah. what? For, you know, like, for the government? I fucking hate the government. I hate paying taxes. I don't want to die for you. Yeah. Well, it just, I, yeah, uh, it makes me think that, like, the, the narrative that we'll get told in our own lifetime about right now hmm. is that, Everyone hated Trump. You know what I mean? We're like, there are a lot of people speaking up. There are a lot of people fighting back. There are a lot of people that don't 
want us to be putting kids in cages and shit, but there are plenty of fucking people that are fine with it. Um, <laughs> and I just think it's really I odd that. that history sort of like airs on the side of the hero story yeah. rather than it makes it seem like they didn't toil back then. Like it yeah. wasn't fucking brutal. It's cultural um, amnesia is why it, yeah. it's, it's just like ignoring what happened. Cause a, a, truly a fear of mine. Yes. Is over time the the normalization of this kind of behavior will lead to 20 years down the road, people will just think of Trump as another president. Yeah. It won't even be an ob- object of discussion to discuss his behavior or what was different about it. It's yeah. just kind of like, no, he was, um, oh yeah, he was a Carter. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, yeah, Carter said some fucked up shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so I don't know. Yeah, exactly. People, and then people will be like, I don't think everyone hated him. And you're like, no, everyone really fucking hated this guy when he was in office. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It it feels so real and so big right now, but yeah. Anyway, come with it now, folks. Um, so, in 1967 and 68, a bunch of things changed for Phil Oaks. And now we're, so, like, this is where we're starting to get into the slow lead toward his suicide. Okay. Um, he committed suicide in 1976. Hmm. Um, so, we're in 1967 now. And um, in 1967... He, Jerry Rubin, Abby Hoffman, and a handful of other people created the Youth International Party, which were referred to as the Yippies. <laughs> and they were like a far-left political yep. party. Yeah. Um, they were very outspoken. There were musicians and authors and journalists as a member of this party. And they were, they were very much like, yeah. even the Democrats are not left enough. Oh they, yeah, totally. They we need to get out of Vietnam 100%. We need to not be there at all. Uh we need to stop police brutality and racism in every way. The draft is garbage. Like they're He had a bunch of songs Whoa. making fun of liberals. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it swings and um it's funny because uh terrorism what we thought of it at the time in America, that was terrorism was student political active active uh, you know groups yeah like bombing buildings calling calling in bomb threats and like doing fucked up subversive behavior yeah and then they kind of put a stomp to that plus it kind of petered out and then we got involved with uh suddenly like middle east terrorism in the 80s where it's like pretty like impressive groups with military training that have been given to them usually by the u.s government yeah start hijacking airplanes and doing like these complex military you know, operations. Yeah. Then they get shut down. And then it swings back again to homeland terrorism in the 90s where yeah. it was all like the Ted Kaczynski's and like right. Oklahoma City bombing. And just like we it's like white nationalism started evolving in the 90s. And that became the thing. Whereas the the homegrown terrorism in the 70s was all like hippies. Just right. Like, we got to build a perfect society. Right. And then in the 90s, they're like, I want my God and my gun. Fuck you. I'm <laughs> going to burn weird. this building down with my kids in it. You know, like shit like that. I will say about the yippies is that they seem pretty nonviolent. I think that that was a big cool. part of, yeah. I mean, they were friends with the Black Panthers and stuff. They like literally, okay, mm. so the in 1968 is when like I said, Yippies formed in 1967. 1968 is where like a great deal of things changed for Phil Oaks because that MLK was assassinated that year. RFK was assassinated that year. Whoa. But then also the Democratic National Convention in Chicago in 68 where that police riot happened. Yeah. And the reason that police riot happened was 
there were so many groups that protested the Democratic National Convention because they just thought that even the Democratic Party wasn't being fair to them. Mm -hmm. But the Yippie, like, but Phil Oaks was particularly weird because he was taking both routes. Like, he was very vocal in that he thought liberals weren't liberal enough, but he also thought that they had to work with the Democratic Party to get a candidate nominated that could beat uh, Hmm. Nixon. Interesting. I mean, honestly, yeah. sounds more centrist than I don't know. Totally. He was. It seems so. like he was like trying. He was yeah, trying exactly. really hard. Yeah. So he went there. So he goes to Chicago to both show support for this centrist Democratic candidate that he Democrat candidate that he thinks can win, and also perform and protest at the Yippies counter festival that they Sorry. threw called the Festival of Life. I believe it was called <laughs> Taste of Chaos Tour. Um, <laughs> And uh, but also there are all these other like communist and socialist groups and the Black Panthers were there protesting the convention. There were like tens and thousands of people outside of the convention protesting. Hmm. They all most of them tried to get permits to protest outside of the convention. But Mayor Daley was such an asshole that he was like, no, I'm not going to give them permits because he just wanted an excuse to arrest them if they protested at all. Uh, he, <laughs> so or, fucking weird. Yeah, what a fucking dick. Uh what a dick, Mayor Daly from 40 years ago. Um, I, uh, I'm really calling it's that guy out. It's so funny out. that the oppressed uh, <laughs> people of that time were like, white kids were like, I want to smoke pot and I, I don't want to <laughs> hold a gun. <laughs> I mean, I and black people, for yeah. sure. <laughs> and black women are usually at the forefront of all civil rights causes, uh, for sure. Yeah. I just think it's funny. That's mostly, again, it's like this um, uh, amnesia. Yeah. It's like, well, all the footage you see are of, like hippies and shit. Like, yeah. Just like protesting on a college campus or something. You're like, that can't be on it. Um, that Festival of Life, by the way, um, I one thing happened there that really stuck out in my mind that's hmm. so funny. Phil Oaks was also very funny. Like, really, really funny in cool. his songs and hanging out with him, apparently. Yeah. And they did this thing where they held a, a mock nomination ceremony where uh jerry rubin and phil oaks put up their candidate which was a pig and they (laughs) named it pegasus like pegasus oh Uh, oh, do you get it Uh, (laughs) um that's awesome dude yeah also i it's funny because it seems like he's so much in competition with um bob dylan but it seems like also he had early influence with uh the smothers brothers yeah, and it's like they were huge in the in the folk world too, and they played the comedy line right. Yeah, and all their stuff was super topical, but they were like mostly jokes. They just so happened to kind of be able to sing. So usually at yeah. like the end of a bit, they'd sing a quick song, but it was always like topical. Like, did you hear Nixon did this this week? And That's like, right. Yeah, strumming a beat, you know. Yeah, he definitely came more from. He was more interested in topical shit yeah. than the others, but then ended up doing all of it. Yeah, yeah, but I think you could. You could see someone being like, oh, well, they're like massively successful doing jokes and topical humor. Like right. it's, it wouldn't seem crazy to you. To For him like, to incorporate yeah, it in. I'm the yeah. singing journalist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so, so then there's a riot at the convention <laughs> and the police go absolutely crazy and are throwing tear gas. Apparently so much tear gas was thrown that Hubert Humphrey could like smell it from his hotel room. Uh, 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. I didn't order the tear gas. <laughs> Room service. This isn't bacon. Send it back. <laughs> um, you know, my dad's uh, job when he was a hippie um, and like living in his van and shit uh, for these protests was to uh, wear a mask and then pick up the tear gas and throw it back. <laughs> really? That was, his, that was his assigned duty. Whoa. <laughs> Crazy. Fun. That's an extreme... It's such an extreme job. Extreme job. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he was like, we're really like uh, politically active. I think he just wanted to fuck, but you know, whatever. <laughs> same same Z's. Same Z's. <laughs> whatever gets us out of Vietnam. Do both. <laughs> Do both. Fuck and throw tear gas back. <laughs> Do it while you're fucking. <laughs> Get out there. Hey, do you want some tear gas? Oh, okay. I'll throw it back. The guy telling him to do it was the coach from Varsity Blues. <laughs> Get out there. Be a man and fuck. I don't want your tear gas. <laughs> I don't want your gas. <laughs> Wait, that's Varsity Blues. <laughs> um, more like us gasinate. <sighs> God, I'm dumb. Uh <laughs> then in 1969 is the trial of the Chicago Seven. There were seven oh, yeah. people, um, most of whom were members of the Yippies, who were like put on trial for inciting a riot. They were like blamed yeah, by the city for what? purposely protesting in order to instigate a riot from the police. Yeah, okay. And they were actually found guilty. Yeah, um, we brought the clubs, <laughs> batons, and shields, and helmets. Exactly. I mean, it's like they were just like, and the war. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah, you're just, you're bringing it out of me. Yeah. You're bringing out the rage. Um, and uh, Phil Oaks testified at this trial, but they ended up going to jail anyway. Some of them for a couple months, saying. some of them for four years. Yeah, yeah, the Chicago even, 7 was a huge deal. Yeah, they even sent all the Chicago 7's lawyers to jail for contempt of court. Um, Fuck that <laughs> shit. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember who, that, like, there was a very famous lawyer attached with them for that case. Um, so yeah. I realize, yeah, that's a lot of history, but that's about the time when Phil Oaks started to lose his mind. You would get pretty like upset at the way of the world at that point yeah. if you were that politically motivated. Yeah. Wow, they just arrested my friends for saying they don't want a war. Not to mention the like hundreds of people that went to the hospital. And beat the fuck out of... Yeah, you would just yeah. be like You just watched the, the city and the country that are supposed to take care of you mm -hmm. just hurt everyone mm -hmm. and then blame your friends get and worse. then watch... The general public be like, yeah, they should have done that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is pretty fucking like. Not uh, to mention MLK getting killed, RFK getting killed, and so Medgar Evers getting killed. So many people getting killed. And it seems like it's by the FBI who is oh, yeah. researching <laughs> you and all your friends, which seems like they're low key blaming you. I mean, yeah. like the psychology <laughs> of so that weird, is. Man. Yeah. And it's so, so weird for, especially me right now, to be like, I have to take the FBI side because <laughs> they're trying to like take down Trump. Oh yeah, uh, with the Russian right. investigation, which is a hundred percent true. Um, yeah, and so it's just like it's hard though because like the FBI has a history of like calling up Martin Luther King Jr., one of the greatest like you know beautiful souls of <laughs> the last hundred years, calling his house and being like, "Hey, yeah, your husband cheats on you," and like calling him up and being like, "We're gonna kill you, you piece of shit." Oh, by the way, we're the FBI. And, like, click. <laughs> like, uh, they're my dogs 
Wow. <laughs> Those are my guys. I know, dude. We're so fucked right now. Um, Probably. So, I mean, I think saying he's losing his mind is a little reductive. Yeah, it's stressful. It's very, very stressful. Um, it's stressful. And also, like, his friends all say that he was definitely bipolar. He was, like, right before his suicide diagnosed bipolar. Really? But he would apparently have manic episodes, and he would... He was apparently such an emotional person that he would lean into whatever was happening so hard that it was like a drug addiction. Like he, Whoa. when he would have a manic episode, it was like he was addicted to it, which is probably what happens when anyone experiences mania. But he would also do the same with depression where he like wouldn't do anything about it. He would just go so hard in his, to, to, into his depression that wow. the only thing that could take him out of it would be like either world events or something happening in his career. Yeah. By the way, he also awesome. got married in 1962 and has a daughter named Megan this whole time. Whoa. Since 1962. Damn. Yeah. Um, so in 1970, he like commissions the person who made Elvis's suits to make him a gold suit, okay. records an album called Greatest Hits that's all new songs for some reason. I love him. This He's is awesome. super funny. This is yeah. like Johnny Knoxville great shit. And then he tours... <laughs> Playing music in this gold suit and acting really weird, and apparently his fans were like, "What is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> I do not know what to do. Oh, that's awesome! And it all culminated at this show at Carnegie Hall in in March of 1970, where they he played two nights of shows and they hated him the whole first night, and then by the end of the second night they loved him and were were standing and applauding for him with the gold and, suit. Yeah, and then they released the live recording of those two shows called "Gunfight at Carnegie Hall." Awesome! This guy's amazing. So is yeah. there the first show where they hate him on it? Yeah. And the second show where they love him? Yeah. I am checking this out immediately. <laughs> I know. I know. That sounds amazing. He's he's Dude, a cool. Um, he's a cool. He's a cool. He's a cool. Something I always I'm like to box. remember with uh, comedy is Richard Pryor, his uh, Live on the Sunset Strip. I've never actually listened to it. Whoa. Um, um, it's really good, I'd say. For I mean, it's kind of dated, of course, but more of the takeaway... That's crazy is that the first night he went out, he flipped the jo a joke around and kind of like started from the end of his set. He just kind of like flipped material around and it bombed. This, this special that kind of is iconic for him. Really? Like this, this renovated his entire career. And then the next night, he got his shit together. He paced his set differently and it killed. And it's like the thing that everyone knows. But he's like the first night, Richard went out and he just bombed. Whoa. And it's like, it's really important that it's like, yeah, sometimes like as a performer, um, not that I actually really want to see Phil Oaks, you know, double album like that. But like sometimes like as a performer, it's okay to just be like, you know, that set didn't go good. Maybe let's do a different one. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you don't I'm, always have to stand by it. Yeah, it's a fine line you got to ride, right? Because yes, you're there to entertain. And I mean, I actually said the reverse of what I meant to say. Uh, you're there to do what you want to do. We're artists or whatever. You should stick to your guns, but also you're there to entertain. Yeah. Uh, and I think you got to find a way to do both. And I guess <laughs> I just really respect the decision to like put out yourself, not being your best version of yourself. Totally. Just being like, check it out. <laughs> he put out both at the same time or you're saying Richard Pryor did, or you're saying Phil Oaks. Did. I'm saying Phil Oaks did, yeah, yeah. but I'm thinking of how Richard Pryor just kind of nixed a whole special that got shot. He was just like, now let's let's rebook this this theater tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> let's just do it again. 
Right. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's a good idea too. Sometimes. Um. So in 1970, after all of that, Phil Oaks decided to never record an album again. Holy shit! And uh, his depression was getting really bad, and he was also apparently really vocally upset that he wasn't bigger, um, like fat, like fatter. Yeah, <laughs> like he wanted to be fat. Yeah, and so he started eating a lot of fries, and then he, um, he hung himself with a noodle. <laughs> <laughs> um, damn uh, That's funny I mean because At first it doesn't Really strike me as That he'd be the type To get so professionally Jealous But Yeah Sometimes you're driven To that so point It's also interesting Like dude You're playing at Fucking Carnegie Hall Yeah And you're not Big enough Damn man I mean that's what mm. happens When you're friends With Bob Dylan You're just like <laughs> Always you're, You've blown past Everybody else And you're just like Yeah but My friend Bob Fuck, dude. He gets four shows at Carnegie Hall. I only get two. Um, Meet Bob. Bob's happy. Remember those commercials? Uh, the guy who's had an erection? <laughs> Meet Bob. Bob's smiling. He's got an erection. This is the he bouncing ball. Fuck. <laughs> um, so, yeah, his friend said he was getting really depressed. Uh, he had been taking Valium for a while to deal with anxiety. Oh. But he, in 1970, the Valium use got really bad. He got into huh. so many types, types of pills. He started drinking all the time. Oh. Um, he just fell into a horrific pit of depression. It sucks. And started telling his friends, like, one, I need to get out of America. And two, saying, I want to see the world before I die. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> which would, he also, around this time, his friends started noticing that there was a lot of suicide references in his lyrics, literally always. Really? Like, he had basically always joked around about killing himself in his songs a little bit. It's topical. Yeah. So you're like, I'm a topical singer. <laughs> I'm a singing uh, su suicider. Damn it. Why won't I, the news sing to me? <laughs> um, so in the last five years of his life, he... In 1971, he just goes to Chile, um, cool. which I, is where Allende is uh, president. He's a, a democratically elected socialist leader okay. of this country. Um, and there are folk singers in Chile that are singing, like, um, rejoicing that they've finally gotten a people's leader. Oh, really? Yeah, and they've been protesting and fighting for years and years and years, and they finally won and got Allende to be the leader of their country. And apparently Phil Oaks shows up there. He meets this guy named Victor Hara, um, who is like the Phil Oaks, or probably sure. more accurately, Bob Dylan of Chile. Um, and he's calling his friends and saying, Chile's where it's at. We did it wrong. We suck. They won. They fight harder than us. We are cowards. Like uh, I love it. Yeah. I like that he made good on his, his sort of, you know, everyone's always like, man, if Trump gets elected, I'm moving. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Canada. He goes to Chile. He goes to New Zealand for a while. In 1973, he, he's like, I want to go to Africa. And the way that he decided, but he was also apparently like never wanted to spend money. So he found a way to go to Africa for free by finding these like recording engineers there that would want to record him. So he called and was like, hey, I'm thinking about recording an album in Africa. And they were like, sure, yeah, we'll pay for your studio time. Just come out here. Really? And then, yeah, I read this interview where this guy was like, yeah, so he accidentally was the first person in American music history to record world music because he just ended up recording with a bunch so of funny. 
African studio musicians. And then Paul Simon ripped them off, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. And that's what this whole episode is about. <laughs> I fucking hate Paul Simon because I've always been a Garfunkel head. Um, you know, that's why my cat's named Dr. Funk. Yeah, diamonds on the soles of my boots when I curb stomp you, Paul Simon. <laughs> you are going to Graceland. <laughs> Because it's where I'm going to kill you. Wow, that's so cool, man. I guess, yeah, like on a technicality, right? <laughs> I yeah. imagine the music doesn't sound like African-inspired, you know, like how they that's what we identify as world music is this moving in of I actually couldn't find any of it because I, if you remember, he didn't record any more studio albums. So I think that music oh, so was totally released. Gone. It's what? somewhere, but it's not like an official album. I was kind of wondering, I'm like, so what? It sounds like nothing really went wrong with his career. Uh, he just kind of was like, I want to stop. It Well, it just never, he never, ever hit the point he wanted to hit. And it just gets harder and harder to tour and, I think, and create. Right. You know, I don't think that it was ever that financially stable. I mean, he's okay. like known in the folk music community. Yeah. And he's basically as big as you can get without being Bob Dylan. But it also seems like folk music is a lot like comedy in that if you're not Bob Dylan, you're fucking struggling. Oh, he started, he, he got into... Uh, Delivering Postmates? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that's hard, man. Jim. He like had a lot of trouble getting on a label for a long time and uh, hmm. didn't, yeah, I mean, had a lot of that trouble I care, yeah. getting big road shows and stuff like that. And it all Though, just kind of starts accumulating, you know, at a certain point because it's like the money is then that much more dire. Exactly. By 1970, I think he it seemed like he was fine career-wise, but not like exploding career-wise. Like he was just never at any point where he thought he should have been, right? Hmm. Um, and so he's traveling. He also at least has the money to travel. And he has enough cachet for Africa to be like, yeah, we know who you are. Let's fucking <laughs> yeah, record some music. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, then... Um, also in 1973, Allende gets overthrown. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, Allende gets overthrown. Here come the fascists. The, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. By Pinochet, and then they just straight up kill all of the folk singers in Chile. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> they literally round them up into a stadium, oh. like I think a soccer stadium. Holy shit! Have them all put their hands on a table in the middle of the stadium, and then break all their hands with the butts of rifles. And then apparently Victor Hara. They were like, "Now go sing us a song with your go broken sing us a hands." Song. Exactly. So he goes into the stands and he's like, "Brothers, let's sing a song for them." And then sings the anthem of Allende. And then they just fucking killed all of them. Uh, Holy fucking shit! Right around this exact same time. Uh, How folks, many hands must you bring right now? <laughs> uh, Phil Oaks is, is in Africa, and he gets jumped by two people on the beach Whoa. who strangle him near to death and, he, and take all his money and shit. And he ends up being fine, but they fucked up his vocal cords. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So he and his voice, there are some recordings of him after that, and his voice sounded really good, but he told all his friends all the time, I've lost my beautiful voice. Aww. So he's like, really, I mean, this guy is losing everything. Um, sounds like Chile is losing everything, too. Yeah. It's like there's like violence, you know, on the streets because the fucking system's collapsing. Well, that's kind of, that was one of the things I meant. Like Victor Hara, he became control. super good friends with Victor Hara, and also he had put Chile on a pedestal. Yeah. So, like, not only was it overthrown, oh. God, this yeah. thing it's like you know because his country was lost he thought right and then chile it's working and then it gets overthrown and his friends all get killed he's like you know what i'm gonna go where it's cool africa <laughs> you know what? Right. i'm gonna go where there's no problems at all 
right. a mother continent. <laughs> so then, yeah, he comes back to the U.S. and he's apparently like just drugs and alcohol and manic episodes Fuck. and depressive episodes. And um, and then in 1975, the the Vietnam War ends. Hmm. And what's interesting about that is a, they threw a party, the Yippies and all their friends, for the Vietnam War ending. But apparently it was like a really somber feel. Right. And afterward, in interviews, they were all like, yeah, it was, it was what we wanted. But there was also a huge part of all of us that was like, this is all we've been talking and singing about for a decade. What do we do now? <laughs> I want more war. <laughs> bring back the war. Mommy, Aww. daddy, bring back the war. That's so fucking funny, dude. It's I mean, so I ridiculous. Totally, but it's I un- can totally believe that. It sucks because it's like, it's so dumb. It's so dumb, also, I but I be, totally understand. I wouldn't even be like kicking my heels because it's like, think of like, yeah, if it's 10 years, imagine the amount of friends who have been arrested, beat the yeah. fuck up, gone through like... Incredible hardship to make this happen. Like, did we really win? Yeah, I mean, it's like, did we win? Well, it's over when they want. And that's the other thing. The public sentiment for the hippies at the time was kind of that you guys ended it on your own sweet time. Yeah, it's like we. There it was should have been over a while ago. That, yeah, yeah, like that uh, LBJ had like prolonged the engagement, or that Nixon had prolonged the engagement, and later on they were all verified with that. But like at the time, they were just like. Man, why did it take so long to end a senseless, fucking, violent, yeah. horrific war? We had so many points where we could have ended it. Mm-hmm. So many people fucking died. Also, so many people got beaten in the streets in order to prov- to tell you to stop it. And you were still like, nah. Yeah, I'd be pissed. <laughs> um, yeah, so pretty like, pointless. You'd feel a little pointless at the end. With all of those things having happened in 1975... Um, Phil Oaks started talking about suicide all the time. Uh, wow. his, like to the point where it scared his friends. His brother tried to get him committed to a mental hospital. He lost all these friends. He was apparently, he was also apparently like a kind of difficult guy. He was sort of a loner and had like some social problems. So even though he was really funny, he like would had anger issues with people. He apparently had a huge falling out with Dave Van Ronk. By the time he mm. died, Dave wouldn't talk to him. Oh, wow. He was so mad at him. Well, he couldn't. He's dead. Uh, <laughs> Try as hard as you want, Dave. It's not going to work. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, and and apparently these people being mad at him really deeply affected him and made him sad. He would it tell sucks. his friends. I also, also really like... Yeah, go. Sorry. Uh, he also had a daughter who at this point oh. is 13, who he hasn't been around nearly as much as he thinks he should have. And... He hasn't been around as much as he should have. And so he's constantly kicking himself for that. Plus, all his friends are like, you're fucked up, man. Go to a hospital. And he's like, no, I don't want to. And he's on drugs all the time and drunk all the time. This Um, is the end of the folk scene, probably. Yeah. It's kind of ending a bit there. So many of his friends have died. He apparently... Like in the middle of all this happening, has to he gets kicked out of his place and has to sleep on the street because no one will let him stay with them. Um, I was gonna say, um, it's just like you know, it's funny because you think of um, the folk scene in Greenwich Village is very sensitive and emotional, yeah. But it's also kind of like the beginnings of emotions, <laughs> right? <laughs> in post-war America, they still like, aren't talking they about. They didn't know how to deal. It'd be like oh, he's got depression. Gross. <laughs> Got to get away from that. Okay, wait. We don't say gross. We say gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's growing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now we're like, you have depression? Me too. That's cool. Yeah. 
So he started telling people that his name was John Butler Train and that John Butler Train had killed Phil Oaks. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Oh, goody. Uh, Garth Brooks no longer exists. I am Chris Gaines. Yeah. It's Chris like Gaines Chris is my Gaines final if, form. If, <laughs> it's exactly like that if Garth Brooks thought he was Chris Gaines. Yeah. <laughs> I've become the Gaines. Chris Gaines is like Garth Brooks' uh, crow alter ego. Yeah, alt-rock guy. Alt-rock. Um, and he eventually, that happened for a little while, and then he eventually dropped the John Butler train thing and said he was Phil Oaks again. Sounds like but he's homeless at this point. He had a lot of like manic characteristics, and he was drinking a lot. And so in 1976, he went to stay with his sister Sonny in Far Rockaway, New York. Oh um, and there he apparently became like really, really sheepish and kind of small, and just like wanted to like hang out with her and would like not leave the house, would wait for her to come home, and would just like want to play games with her okay. and talk. And some friends would come and visit. He went to see a psychiatrist who diagnosed him uh, bipolar. Mm. He had a friend come over a week before he died, and he was like, I'm not... Uh, he, he was like, hey, I'm going to kill myself. I can't do this anymore. And his friend apparently joked back with him um, because he, was, he loved food. Apparently, Phillips was a huge food guy. Um, <laughs> and apparently, his friend was like, hey, man, you can't kill yourself. You'll miss the food. And uh, Phillips <laughs> laughed. And then a week later, hanged himself in his sister's house in Far Rock Rockaway, New York. Yikes. April 9th, 1976. And I should say, that friend who said that, I saw, a, a, I watched a video interview with him. Uh-huh. A lot of what I, I found some of this information in the Wikipedia, obviously, and so, in some blog posts and some articles about his relationship with the FBI, but also there's a great 90-minute PBS documentary about Phil Oaks. Wow. That is, you should definitely watch that I didn't even come close to touching some of the stuff they did. But is, is the guy who asked if he'd missed the food, was that John Panette? <laughs> Com- com- <laughs> yeah, he comedian was and close. buffet enthusiast yeah. John Panette. He was like, Come on, Phil, you're starving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starving over here. You're isn't, starving. Isn't for medical care? second album called Still Starvin. Uh, yeah, he did a couple. Uh, show me the buffet. Show me the buffet. The right. Still starving. Still hungry. <laughs> still hungry. And then I think he did Still Starving. Still hungry. Still after starving. all these years. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> still eating. After all these after beers. All these Let's beers. kill Paul Simon. <laughs> um. And Damn. yeah, that's I the mean, story of Phil Oaks. That's uh, heavy, dude. I mean, wow. I think we touched on a lot of like what was kind of uh, bothering him for sure on a, you know, on just his daily life, but also dealing with the mental issues. Just something I kind of thought of was like when the minute you told me he went over to his sister's, I was like, right there you go. Yeah, Damn, it's because it's always this kind of nesting thing. Some people do where they're like, I want to just be like. You know, I mean, to be fair, he's like homeless practically, so it's not like right. that crazy to be like, I want to be around my sister and uh, yeah, I but might to like kill sort myself. of, I just want to be by home and I feel like killing myself and uh, and he sort of seemed to surrender. To I mean, just the what's fucked up is that like he never went to a psychiatrist his whole life. So what really? Well, until he 
went to stay at his sister's house. Oh my god! And she got him to where he did whatever. It's just interesting, like him because of how he was. Him going to his psychiatrist was a sign that he was going to kill himself because mm-hmm. he resigned. Yeah. Finally, it's like a he did the thing everyone told him to do. And all the doctor really said to him at the time was kind of contemporary. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no help for that. Come yeah. see me every day. <laughs> all <Right>. the time. <laughs> man. And maybe we'll deal with it like that. That's crazy, man. Uh, any songs by him you think you would recommend people to check out? Just Google him. I mean, so much of his stuff is good. I really like... Um, uh, there's a song it's about got a song called "Suck My Nuts." Uh, <laughs> there's a song called "Ball with the Ball" that I really like. Uh, <laughs> ball uh, with the ball. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, he uh, there's a song about Mississippi that I really like. I forget what it's called, but it's like "Give It Up for Mississippi" or something. Oh, cool. Um, and um, yippee Mississippi. Yippee. Yeah. Yay. Yay. It's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, my favorite song. I love how music w- just <laughs> had to learn how to be good over time. I know. And it's like, yeah, probably Happy Birthday was a number one song for a week or something. <laughs> hip-hop is like that, man. Do you ever go back and listen to early hip-hop? It is sure. funny how corny it is. It's oh, yeah. so corny. Yeah. The the What they say is the first hip-hop song... Um, by uh, the Sugar Hill Gang. It's like 15 minutes long, and it's just like, I'm walking down the street in my shoes and my hat. There's a, there's an even funnier song, which, no, come on. I was thinking about um, uh, Rapper's Delight the other day, because I, I was like, man, he just talks about going over to his friend's house and the food sucks, and I was like, that really is a super relatable thing. Like, well, everyone has had this experience in their life, you know, where you're like, sure. I'm eating a bad meal and I wish I could complain. Sure. It's like, that's actually like pretty cool. <laughs> it's stupid, but it's, but there's a song before Rapper's Delight that some people point to is maybe like one of the first rap songs mm-hmm. and it's really fucking corny as hell. Yeah. And it's called, I think it's called I'm the Judge <laughs> and it's a guy literally dressed like a judge mm-hmm. and he had like a one hit wonder and it was just like he kind of was doing, you know, like, I went down the street and I, and I got some meat. It's like he's doing like the very basic thing. Right. And the song's like, I'm the judge. I'm a judge. And it was all about being a judge and like judging what? people. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's fucking he's like wearing a judge outfit. It makes no no fucking sense. Wow. It's probably like a good like seven years before like Rapper's Delight. It's like, really? It's just a weird song where you're like, okay, that's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> and then there's some that they also point to. There's actually like really early recordings that kind of have that same sort of structure of music. But like, I don't think you would ever be like, that's rap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, clearly that's rap. Right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I uh, even the stuff the like first by the rapper was Kanye West <laughs> by the early '90s. Even like Aaron B and Rock, Eric B and Rock him. Like I love Eric B and Rock him. I also love Rapper's Delight. But if you listen to it after having listened to a bunch of modern hip hop, it's really hard <laughs> to not be like, wow, <laughs> these guys. Were, what are you teaching elementary school? What is this? Yeah, yeah. Set up punch. Set up punch. Yeah, yeah. Especially like Run DMC and shit like that. It's just like I think that's why I ever like. Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> NWA was so crazy because they were just so. I mean, they were more aggressive, but they were so much more poetic. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The form just changed over time. Yeah. Um, dude, this was a great episode, man. And Thanks, man. Uh, I always love talking about music. Yeah, sure. so do I. <laughs> uh, there was, I will say this. I feel like, I, man, I tried so hard 
to condense that story. Uh-huh. And like that that story that I just told you of Phil Oaks, that's after like removing a lot of shit. Really? I did and I still I still feel like it took me way longer than I would have liked to get <laughs> to the like, you know, the like sure. mental and emotional part of it. Yeah. But it sounds um, like this was also during one of the most like, yeah, <laughs> like insane parts of American history, and like a lot of factors are going on. And he's a truly fascinating person. Hmm. So like, yeah, I mean, I if you listen to this and you're interested, there's so much more about him. Listen to his music. Yeah, yeah. and uh, come check out Dave on the road, guys. Oh, yeah. After this drops, six days later, come check him out. Yeah, and uh, but I don't know, guys. Join the Patreon. We appreciate anybody who listens to the podcast. If you leave us a review or buy a shirt, any and all of it helps, and we love you and support you. Yeah, we love you so much. Thanks You're for literally supporting us. Yeah, like just seeing, especially the Facebook group, especially shows how you guys are and how you guys interact and it's just like so clear that we have the coolest best fans yeah buddies 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 yeah um oh also we have a patreon bonus episode that comes out uh this week as this episode drops Mm, the 18th of october in 2018 and uh the episode is uh about here's what it's about it's an episode where Hampton and I are going to read listener emails, but we just get so excited to talk to each other that we don't. <laughs> so the episode is called Inside the Actor's Studio because we're stupid. But David. it's a super... <laughs> what is your favorite cursed word? If you want to hear more talking from us that's not necessarily about suicide or history, you can find us bantering on the Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash suicide buddies. I love it. Check it out. It is a tour de force. (laughs) David, your performance was simply sublime. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Guys, uh, take care of yourselves. Same thing. All right, thanks. All right, see you. Oh, my God. What a great episode. But, you know, are you still dealing with the dark thoughts? Well, Dave and I would prefer it if you actually dealt with it. Uh, we're not medical professionals, but we would like it if you're actually dealing with these depressive, dark, swirling thoughts that you may be called the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, they're at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. And they're great people. They have the resources to help uh, you deal with your current situation. And Dave and I, we're happy that you're with us. Thanks. Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.